Hello and welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Hannah Alcoseba Fernandez, Philippine correspondent of Eco Business, Asia's leading sustainability publication. In today's show, we are going to talk about why gas is still needed in the Philippines' clean energy transition. For the Philippines to abide by the Paris Accord's goal to cap global warming at 1.5 degrees Celsius, it is aiming to have 26.9% renewable energy in its power mix by 2030. With the government's announcement last year of a moratorium on new coal projects, local and foreign power industry leaders are expected to boost their clean energy investments for 2021. Apart from coal, environmentalists are also calling for the shift away from gas, which accounts for over 21% of the country's power generation in order to create more room for renewables in the energy mix. In today's podcast is Don Paulino of renewable energy advocate nonprofit, Philippine Energy Independence Council, who tells us why this should not be so. A clean energy advocate with the belief that Filipinos have an opportunity to transform their energy mix from fossil fuel to something more sustainable, Mr. Paulino is also cognizant of renewables like solar and wind energy being intermittent. The intermittency issue could have been addressed by battery storage, but the technology in the country is not affordable enough yet for ordinary consumers. Mr. Paulino, an engineer by profession, has over two decades of international senior leadership experience in the oil and gas industry and is currently the general manager of Shell Philippines Exploration. Join me in welcoming Mr. Don Paulino. Thank you so much for being with us today, Don. The Philippine Energy Independence Council, of which you are head, was put together two years ago to help achieve the country's energy independence by tapping public and private sectors to explore cleaner energy options. What have been the council's noteworthy achievements since then? Well, just thank, thank you very much, Hannah, for the invitation. It's really a pre- pleasure to, to be part of this forum that you have and um, also being invited to, to represent uh, PEIC. To go to your question, what's the more notable is really us being able to start gathering some of these key players in industry to actually start thinking how can we actually integrate the whole energy system um, here in the Philippines and including how do we complement uh, each of the bodies and each of the private and government initiative in such a way that it will complement rather than just an initiative running on its own. Because I do believe, and we believe in the PEIC, that if we can actually educate uh, the the whole, uh, at least the Philippine population on energy, and and really as you pointed out earlier on um, in in our earlier discussion about laymanizing it, I think there there is actually a value uh, on educating people. But at the same time, because of that education, it will enable us to identify what is best suited in the Philippines to be independent and to be efficient. What are the policies that needs to be further enhanced uh, in, in the end? And third is that it will hopefully develop in the future the, the ecosystem required like businesses uh, and, and employment opportunities and also students actually to, to come in and uh, be more interested on energy. Uh, Don, in one of the forums that you mentioned, uh, you said that gas is still needed to support the Philippines' renewable energy transition. Can you tell us more about why this is so? 
Yeah. So, so if you, if you look at it, whilst there is, I mean, you, you've seen the Philippine Energy Plan, and, and in the Philippine Energy Plan, there is the um, um, clean energy scenario where a big part, 40% and, and beyond, will, will actually be renewables in, in, in the energy mix. Now, renewable energy, whether it's solar, whether it's wind, or any other type of renewable energy like uh, hydro or um, or or um, tidal will be intermittent and and because you just cannot control the nature so you cannot control when the sun will be out and when the sun will actually rise and therefore during those period where nature cannot provide the, the free energy we need to be able to provide energy that the economy and the country needs so 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 just imagine that if you're just reliant on 100% renewables and suddenly solar went down or just because of the cloud cover, then where will you get your energy? Now, my thinking is that it is important that we have a source that can actually fill in that particular gap every time that there is an intermacy. Now, there are various technology. Uh, one of them is the battery, but there are also other technology like quick start uh, gas power plants. And I think it's a combination of those uh, that, that, that we eventually need. Now, the but Philippines is the reality is that um, we just, the battery technology um, and the scale that, that, um, that, that we need, it's not economical, that economical yet. And for, for me, the best way to start is really having this quick start power plants and, and gas uh, power plant is one of them. Um, however, um, environmentalists uh, will argue that uh, natural gas, uh, with, like what you're suggesting, being paired to support renewables is an analysis that focuses on fuel suppliers. Um, even clean energy entrepreneur Asad Rasuk of Syndicatum Renewable Energy even said, to quote, natural gas is just as dirty as coal. Whoever named it natural gas instead of highly explosive climate change accelerating fossil fuel wins top branding award. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's difficult when you start talking about which one is cleaner. Uh, and, and, and it's always relative uh, because you, you can say batteries is, are cleaner uh, mediums, right? But, but in the end, um, to, to get batteries, you need to mine lithium. You need to mine um, other uh, materials on, on Earth. And, and as we know, mining is not the best way. It's not as clean as we, we also think about it. So, so for, for, for me, I, I always believe this thinking that, so for, for me, the question is, do I want a free use as a car or do I want a Tesla? And, and, and as we know, a free use is a hybrid and it's much cheaper than a Tesla. And, and, and maybe there is a, um, a room in, in, in all this discussion that they're always in between. And, and right now, from a Philippine perspective, I think a pre-use model is what we can afford because I rather start transitioning and start implementing something that will help and contribute to, to, to climate change rather than waiting for the technology to mature and just implement it during that time. So I, I, I cannot disagree with some of the... the, the the um, environmentalists, but, but honestly, do we want to be purists on this when we are our own goal, our all, all our goal is actually to reduce global temperature between 
or maintain global temperature between 1.5 and 2C. That, that's all what we're trying to do. And therefore, anything that can contribute to that, we should help each other. Hmm. Sir, um, there are some energy observers that say that natural gas isn't really cheap either. Yes, it's not. I mean, in the end, if you look at it, compared to a gas that you will have indigenously. So, so for example, the natural gas that we have in some of the natural gas that we supply in the Philippines, it's, it's not because if you go back to, to LNG, there are several components of an LNG. One is the actual extraction of gas. The second component of an LNG price is the liquefaction. So you have to reduce the, the temperature of the gas to, to actually make it liquid uh, so it's transportable, and that's the reason why you're liquefying it. And then you have the, the, the shipping cost. Mm -hmm. So relative to an indigenous gas, uh, so in the Philippines, we have Malampaya, LNG will always have a, um, a, a relatively higher cost. But, but the question is really is, how can you use all this technology in such a way that the overall mix will actually lead to an efficient, um, and, and actually sustainable and, and uh, more secured energy in the future. I think it's that. And, and, and sometimes we talk about energy as a polar of two opposite, whether you're either clean or you're, you're, you're either um, not, not clean. But I think it's a transition. That's why we call it a transition. And if you look at it, there are steps. I mean, if you just go back to fundamentals, there is this theory on energy ladder, right? So, so the energy ladder is saying that as the economy grows or the economic uh, capability of families grow, they will transition from using a dirty fuel to actually much cleaner fuel. But there's also thinking about energy stacking that, that actually, rather than transitioning, you're actually do using multiple fuels uh, at the same time, which actually gives you better efficiency and sustainability in the future. So may, maybe in the Philippine sense, it's not a full energy ladder transition. It's it's a bit of the stacking that, that we have to do. So are you saying that um, in our transition, do uh, you think there'll ever come a time when uh, we will be fully 100% renewable? Or do you think realistically we will always, we will always, always still need um, fossil fuels, whether it be natural gas or coal? What do you think of that? I, I think it will be foolish for me to say that um, eventually we will be, uh, or naive rather than foolish, naive for me to say that um, there will eventually be a time that it will be 100% um, renewable. Um, maybe there is room for, for, for some of um, still fossil fuels in, in the future now. But, but again, it, it's a function of technology and how we accelerate it. Because maybe the, the, the technology could, could actually accelerate things in such a way that it will be more efficient and it will be more um, economical to just use um, renewable. I mean, just think about pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, uh, we will not have this discussion um, on a, a Zoom, right? We will, the two of us will go to a studio which is soundproof and professionally managed and we will have that. Uh, and that's where we will do this podcast. But now it's so normal to, to actually um, have this discussion virtually. And I think I would see that transition happening in energy too. Now, how long and how quickly it is, 
it, it again, it's a function of how quickly people are actually embracing um, the, the use of renewable energy and how the policies are, are actually aligning uh, to, towards that use. So, so in the end, I think as consumers, as users, we have to demand for it uh, if, if, if that's what we want. And to a certain extent, we also have to pay for it. Although you're saying that it might be naive to think so, are you hoping that at some point in the future, um, the Philippines will do without fossil fuels, including gas? Yes. So, so for, for me, what, what I would like to, so if, if you're just going to ask me as a Filipino, what do I want to see in the Philippines? Uh, and as a PIC president too, um, what, what I want to see the Philippines is having an independent, um, secure and sustainable energy in the future. And if you step back, what are those sources? It's primarily renewables, right? So say solar, wind, you have geothermal um, energy uh, around that. Maybe tidal, I, I, I don't know how, how applicable that is uh, in the future. Uh, and then maybe um, for, for intermittency, you will have batteries or other types of power plants in, in, in the future. Because the reality is we will need somebody, something rather, to actually support the intermittency of, uh, of of renewables, be it the hydro power plants that we have, or or other form of technology. So, sir, you think if batteries um, get to be scaled commercially, you know that the prices are going to be affordable. It it might be a better alternative for the intermittency as opposed to gas. I I, I think eventually, uh, because batteries, if you look on studies right now, are still quite on the, the, the expensive range. I mean, there, there have been studies that was it was 3,000 per kilowatt hour in the past by using battery, now it's down to around $151 uh, per kilowatt hour. And in fact, there are some studies it's much even lower than that. And I'm referring to, to lithium-ion. Now, I'm really hoping uh, with some advancement on batteries, there this will become uh, cheaper. So for example, if you Google liquid uh, metal batteries, uh, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology is starting, uh, have started a company called Ambry. And, and so as opposed to lithium-ion where um, you use lithium and ion, it's actually using um, a much more cheaper cathode and anode. However, because it's early in the development, it's still quite expensive. But, but if we can make this sustainable in the future, then batteries could have a role to play uh, in, in making sure that we have uh, sustainable energy in the future. But, but let me step back for, for, for a bit. Um, in, in the end, it boils down to economics, right? Um, yes, batteries could eventually be much cleaner and eventually much um, cheaper to produce and therefore your um, installed cost could, could be cheaper um, overall uh, given the technology. But, but in the end, you also have uh, for example, a gas power plants or maybe another type of power plants, which is easier to install and have easier access to, to, to fuel, might also give the same price. So therefore, you have to, to balance uh, between these two. So for, for, for me, it's a function of the economics and, and the sustainability and the security around it. I, 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 I really don't see energy as an absolute business. I think it's something that we have to be relative. It has to be relative and in the decision-making that we have, we have to assess the benefits and, and, and 
really choose which, which one do we really want based on the benefits and the negatives that, that it provides. Okay, that being said, um, anything else you can add on the difficulties of renewable energy installation in the country that, that derails the 100% shift? So, so maybe the first one we said is it, it talk about is really cost. So, so I, I guess installing renewable energy is, is still expensive uh, right now. That's why even on the policies of the, the government on right, the, the renewable portfolio selection, and they, they introduced some something like the the, the fit, um, FIT. So, so, yeah. So FIT, yeah. So so that that is really to a certain extent give, give a bit of subsidy on 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 renewable energy or in, in to encourage renewable um, energy. So cost will still be an an issue um, in it, especially if you're talking about um, cost to, um, to 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 people who are on using 200 kilowatt hour um, a month and, and, and below, right? So, so, so maybe that, that's one. The second one that I see is really this, and, and this is what we're trying to do in PIC, it's this overall collaboration and um, alignment against uh, across government agency. I mean, an example, let, let me just give you an example. It's about land use. So, so think about, Land use. So where do we use our land in the Philippines? It's, um, well, aside from residential, you have food, right? So, so a lot of our farmlands um, um, come, come from the land. Um, and then if you start installing renewables, which requires land, whether it's wind or, um, or the solar, um, then you might be converting a, a productive farmland to produce power. So you have a choice. Uh, is it energy security or food security? And, and I think there's a policy and a coordination that needs to happen at different government levels to, to really, really make this more efficient. Rather than a company saying, look, I will apply for a permit to install solar panels in this area or a wind farm in this area. And then suddenly the, the community saying no uh, on it, which is very inefficient. Might as well start thinking about the government helping us think about stepping back and say, okay, I will identify corridors where solar will be a better option rather than farming. And, and vice versa, where, where, um, where corridors where farming will be the focus. And therefore the density and the efficiency can actually manage more uh, by, by, by all the entities um, concerned. So, so for, for, for me, it's that overall collaboration and discussion and, and, and a structure to, to help us um, really be more efficient in, in implementing and in, in aligning uh, with the overall goals of uh, not just the government, but also the private um, entity. And maybe the last one that I will put in is really about the education and the transparency of um, how renewable uh, could, could actually help help in the future. And, and some of these are simple things, like for example, what is a net metering? And so I had this personal experience where uh, over the, the last three months, I've been doing this science project that I have to install my uh, solar system at home. And I said, I just don't want a grid buy-in. I, I want something that has batteries on it because I want to really understand the, the, the dynamics around it. I want to be uh, a bit off the grid. 
and then also the dynamics of connecting back to the grid. Can I sell my electricity? And so what, for me to do that, I need to apply for net metering. So, and honestly, if I look on the requirements for net metering on the Moralco website, and sorry, this is no criticism, but yeah, it's, really it's not that transparent. And I have applied back in October, November, and to date, um, the, the net metering application is still progressing. Now, given of COVID, given, given all the, the restrictions, that, that maybe that, that's slow. But, but really, why does it have to take that long? And how many of our citizens will be patient enough to, to, to go through that process? And, and it's a net metering, it's a net metering uh, issue. And in, in other countries, it, it would have been uh, automatic, right? Yeah. And it will be an easier process. But even the technical part of net metering, and, and I was asking my installer, so what is required for my solar system to be able to get it to the grid? And they're giving me a, diff a number of different code, uh, grid code requirements. And nobody can really explain to me one grid code that say, this is what you need. So simple things like this, uh, educating and being transparent actually can help us uh, with, with, with the transition to, to a much more uh, cleaner and, and, and also really accelerate a bit the, the renewable transition that we want. Um, what are what the what do you see on the Philippine energy plan that you think um, could be changed? Uh, being a, a gas industry player as well as a renewable energy advocate. Yeah, so, so I, I guess for for me, um, looking into the plan, in in as as you know, the plan cannot be as a a one hundred percent solution for 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 anything. So so for for me, I. I, I would not change a lot on, on, on the plan that, that we currently have. However, where I will improve, I'll, I'll try to, to really improve, is actually the implementation of the plan. And I would really want us as an entity to start with how do we actually align um, both the government uh, bodies and the, the private institution to actually support that plan. Now, uh, we, we have a new plan uh, which was launched last year or this year. Uh, the previous one was in back in 2016. So as an entity, what is more important for me is, is start operationalizing the plan, start implementing the plan. And because sometimes when I step back is, let me go back to, to, for example, the question that I have. Yes, DOE has launched the plan, but I'm sure DNR, uh, the, um, Department of Agrarian Reform and Agriculture, um, has a role in actually, and maybe even DTI has a role in helping uh, each other to, 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 um, to actually um, get those plans uh, implemented. Because I, I always go back to, to fundamentals. And if I remember the, the IRENA model for um, innovation in, in the energy, and there are five elements to this. So we always have the policies and the regulations. So, so I think in the Philippines, we're not short of that. We will have the policies and regulation. We try our best to have the enabling structure uh, in, in, in the end. So, so we have WESM, we have um, some of the companies that we're putting in now. And I, I think technology and innovation continue to be present in the Philippines. And I'm really quite impressed in, in a number of companies. Uh, last week, I heard about Avoitis, what they're doing on net metering. Uh, Globe uh, through the Ayalas have also been 
implementing some of the um, some of the IOTs, uh, uh, Internet of Things, on some of the power plants, and they're pioneering it. So, so we're not behind technology, but but I guess for for, for me, where where um, really where um, the difference that 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 didn't doesn't help is really that implementation and how do we actually align with one another. So so for for me, rather than spending so much time to have a perfect plan, let's use this plan. So actually start testing this and then go to this uh, continuous improvement loop where after a year, let's step back and say, okay, how did we implement the plan? What did we learn from it? And as a result of that learning, what's one or two action that we're going to take again to, to get it operationalized, right? And then you go through that process. So, so for me, rather than a revolution, I would want the energy industry to, to evolve as we go through this transition uh, to a renewable, to, to a cleaner, to, to a sustainable and more secure energy. So at this point, do you think we are evolving? Um, I, I would like to believe that. I mean, I, 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 I guess, so if I just, so I, I, if I just listen to, to what's happening uh, in the industry, so, so think about for example, what AC Energy is doing. So, so one of the vision of AC Energy, whilst not all of it are in the Philippines, is to really have around 5,000 megawatts of renewable energy, right? So, so that, 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 that for, for me is a big statement on, on what's happening in the industry. Uh, we heard about um, First Gas, about how they want to be a cleaner energy and they would like to use their facilities in Batangas to be an area where we, we, we have um, a center for, for clean and renewable energy. And, and, and they made decision themselves that we're not going to, 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 to actually have um, other type of power plants except for gas plus, plus renewables. And I mean, even avoid this power, if you look on how they change their structure now, they have the thermal business that they have and they have the, the, the renewable business. So if I just look at those few examples, in, in, at least in the industry, I can see involving, evolving and in, in, in investments happening in, in the right um, the direction. And then if I go to the government, I mean, the moratorium for me was a big signal, the moratorium on coal-fired power plants. Because when I went, came back to the Philippines back in 2016, what I kept on hearing was that the Philippines is not agnostic uh, to, to any technology. And therefore, as long as I can provide cheap power, uh, whether it's coal or whatever, uh, we will take it. And hearing the DOE secretary, Secretary Pusi, um, early this year, late, late, late December, saying, look, we're going to stop this because we want cleaner energy. It's actually a big signal. Now, I, I guess the relevant question is, are we evolving fast enough? Um, and, and maybe that, that's something we have to reflect on and, and, and step back. But, but if the question is, are we evolving? I think that the changes are happening. Uh, that, and, and I think we're heading the right direction. Okay. Sir, there's uh, one thing that uh, you'd like to happen for this year, for 2021, in terms of um, clean energy transition for the Philippines, uh, regardless of uh, setbacks. What would it be? Wow, that, that, that's a good question. So for, for me, I think one of the things we would like to happen in, in, in PEIC is really educating the broad-based um, community to understand really 
what, how energy plays a part in the social development, especially the choices that we have in energy, whether um, the, the renewable, uh, but, but also the, the, the fossil-based fuel. So, so for, for me, if there's one thing I really want to happen uh, in, in what we're trying to do in PEIC is really to educate the, 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 the bigger population in Filipino about energy, energy independence, and the choices that they can make to actually support um, renewable uh, and more secure energy in, in the future. Okay, great insights. I'm sure you've given our listeners a lot to chew on. Thank you very much, Mr. Don Paulino of the Philippine Energy Independence Council for joining the Eco Business Podcast. This podcast was hosted by Eco Business and the SDG Co, a co-working space for sustainable organizations in Asia. EcoBusiness is Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com. Follow us on social media or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.